Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We're going to try, but um, as you can see, it's it's a day we set aside to honor Brother and Sister Boyd. And uh, we have some that's going to come and make some comments. And, and I remember growing up, my dad always told us, that a man is only as good as his word. So as I've said before, and I fully believe this, these words would mean nothing if we've lived like the devil up to this point. And what we're fixing to say, we're not just swapping roses. We mean what we're saying. And time is our witness that we're not just speaking words just to make somebody feel good. We mean what we're saying that we appreciate brother and sister Boyd and we set this side, we set this day aside to let them know. So just in the next few moments, we're just going to take some time and just try to give them what's on our heart and just share it from a variety of points of view. So uh, brother Allen's going to come first and just share what's on his heart. So let's just give him our attention. Good morning, everybody. Uh, had to make myself a few little notes because I knew I would, couldn't think of some things once I got in front of a crowd. So uh, thank you, Brother Reddy, for he called the other day and asked me if I would do this. I'm I, I, not very good at speaking in front of a crowd, so but yet I hated to pass up a chance to uh, say thanks to Brother and Sister Boyd for I, I, don't, even, I don't even know how long you've been here now. 26 years, okay. Well, I knew it was a pretty good long time. Anyway, uh, I, I made a long list, and then I started to narrow it down, and I got it down to just a few things. So first thing that I put on my list was I like the way that uh, y'all represent the church. I'm never worried about any public thing or any business that we have. Uh, and I especially want to note, note this, and I... It's just, just stood out to me, and I don't think I'm the only one, is uh, the way that you've handled funerals, which is a very public thing. We get a lot of strangers here, you know, or not church people in funerals, and uh, I think you really have a good touch with that. And also, uh, I, I really think that the people leave here, I mean, they go through a death, and then they go to the funerals, the next big thing they got to face at that time, which is is hard, already hard, and and then uh, I think you you really have a knack for making them leave here feeling better, and it's a, it's not I mean it's almost like a gift or something that you have, and that's it's something I've noticed anyway, and uh, I've got a uh, I've got a little list at home uh, that I made just I like to read it every now and then I just call it on the top of my list it's words of wisdom that I have. 
in a notebook, and and you'd be it'd be surprised how easy it is to forget things and that it's simple things, and these are simple, but yet they help me, you know. And so, uh, a little while back, you mentioned that uh, Job had a covenant with his eyes, and I've read that before, but I never have noticed that. So I added that to my little. Uh, words of wisdom that I, I, you know, so I can remind myself every now and then when I read that. And, I mean, we can't help what we see, but we can help what we look at, you know, is about the way of it with that. So, anyhow, so that was something. And Sister Boyd, you said something here a little while back. We we were having a music a music practice one morning, which every Sunday morning we do. And uh, y'all were talking about a song. I don't even know the song, but apparently in the song, uh, some of the verses make some real big promises to God. And someone said something about singing it. She said, well, I'd be scared to sing that. I don't want to promise things that I might not be able to do or I might not be willing to do or whatever. And and that's another thing. I added that into my list because it's not it's not wise to promise things that you can't take, that you're not going to do, you know, that you can't do possibly. And, you know, we don't know what, uh, it's easy to fail. A lot of better people than, they may have failed at being a Christian. I've seen that. So, anyway, uh, thank you for those things. That was that really is simple but wise, you know. And uh, the last thing I will say, well, no, I got two more things, Brother Boyd. I I'm, I like the kind way that you that you approach this desk and that you approach us. Some people try to hammer on people and they try to force them. And uh, I can't deal with that. I, I like to have, like like as the Bible says, it calls it the foolishness of preaching. And it seems foolish, but yet it finds me all the time. You know, I hear things, and there's no way you could possibly know where I'm at all the time, even some of the time maybe, but not all the time. And yet I hear things that I know are for my help, you know, so uh, or to help me. And, and I can do better if I have my own choice. Nobody can make none of our choices for us. We've got to make our own choices. And, and so uh, it helps me, and I guess that's why that plan is that way. It gives us a free choice, and, and then all you, you have to do your part by studying, and whatever God gives you, you have to be obedient to that. But then that way you, you don't even know probably who you might be speaking to, I guess, on that. But anyway, thank you for that. And also one last thing. Uh, I'd like to thank you for is our outreach ministries have been a, a big help to me if to no one else and I know they have been to other people too and even I, I mean a lot of times uh, Brother Everett and I went to the jail here lately and uh, I don't know about him Brother Everett I left there feeling better than I did when I got there we, we had a good a good uh, Little meeting with four four men there, and these guys are they're at the bottom right now at the present time, you know, while they're in jail, and they can listen and they can hear. Then and anyway, it's but it seems like it just it, it boosts me up to be able to do something like that. So I, I feel I'm certain that we're on the right track with that. Not and I know you know that already, but anyway, thank you for that. And so I'll let someone else speak. Thank you for listening, everyone. Praise the Lord.
great to be in the house of God this morning in this particular service. I kind of like the young fellow that was on the screen a minute ago when he was asked what do you like most about Brother Boyd, and he just went. It's not hard to figure out how much you love Brother Boyd and Sister Boyd. Because I'm a firm believer that good pastorship, successful churches, is a teamwork. And I think the combination of good teamwork will build a great and mighty church. Uh, I was thinking about uh, when I was asked, particular Brother Rayleigh, to say something to the church this morning. My mind went back to about 35 years ago. And uh, me and my wife were going to a Christmas dinner, Christmas conference or uh, banquet, I guess you would call it, at Brother Goldsberry's church in uh, Brandon, Florida. And we didn't know who we were going to sit with or buy. But when we got there, uh, name cards were set out in place where you were to sit down at. And our names, my wife's and my name, were set across from Brother and Sister Boyd. And from that point on, we didn't realize that the, fr- the friendship that, that was going to be established and made. But more than that, we didn't realize that the journey that we were going to take would bring us all back to this place today. And it's been a a journey of observation, of watching, and uh, Brother Boyd and I and have, uh, and this is not about me, but I'm just trying to establish something here, that that in my observation of years, I've traveled with them, we've uh, eaten with them, we've fellowshiped with them, and through these years, the things that I have observed about and I see in this people is uh, ambition. I know we can talk about the qualities of uh, the ministry and, and those kinds of things, but that's not what this is about today. I think what we see here is what we haven't, we don't really notice, but ambition. Ambition is an energy. Ambition takes energy, and it t- takes time to uh, establish and and get other people to see uh, what your vision is for the church. And Brother Boyd has, and Sister Boyd have the unique ability of through their ambition and their energy to relay it to you. And because I've watched it since I have been here. The love of God and the, and the things that is established here in this church through that, um, through that ambition. Ambition just means a strong desire to gain a particular objective, the drive to succeed and to object a strong desire. And we see that in, 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 in the life of this church, it's, and it's emanated from the leadership and from the, the pastor of this church into the ministry and to all the outlets. Everything that we see being accomplished here is because of uh, desire, a, a, a born desire within them, an ambition that he wants to translate to you and has done such a marvelous job of doing. Hallelujah. I, I just... Uh, and so we just want to say thanks this morning. Uh, I have, you know, we're not, I'm not here to preach and only got just a few minutes here to say anything. 
But we're here to give honor. To give honor to whom honors do. And sometimes we have to use analogies. And I was thinking of the scripture when I was asked about this in uh, uh, Second Chronicles, the 8th chapter, in verse 16, it says, Now all the works of Solomon was prepared unto the day of the foundation of the house of the Lord, and until it was finished. So the house of the Lord was perfected. Solomon, and then using this as an analogy, Solomon had a strong, strong desire to do the work of God, to use wisdom and to use his his ambition and his strength and everything that God could give him to accomplish uh, building cities that were in Jerusalem, that was in Lebanon, houses and for people to live in, a place for people to dwell, and people to uh, uh, cities of, of stores, they called them. And these cities of stores, uh, they might be for chariots, they might be for horses, they may be for, for gold and silver. And he... and. Uh, uh, Solomon had a way of articulating to get goldsmith to do what he needed to be done, or silver workers to do what they did, or the stone cutters to do what they needed to do, or the finance people to do what they needed to do. He just had that ability, and it all came because of the energy of ambition to get something done for God, and people just fell in love with doing it. I uh, remember a story of a little cartoon character, maybe some of you might have remembered, named Hager the Horrible. He's in the newspapers. He's this little, short little Viking guy. And in this little cartoon caption, it had him standing next to his son, you know. And here they are in their little cartoon, their uh, Viking uniforms, and you know, in their little hats that they wore and the little swords and it's kind of they've got to imagine this picture of looking kind of behind them and Hagar looking down at his son and right next to him was a big pebbled rock on the ground and then way past it was this wilderness I mean like long distance nothing out there but in the farthest distance was this huge mountain this big rock and he looks down to his son and he said, Son, do you know what the difference is between that rock and this rock? He said, No, Dad. He said, Ambition. Now, I don't know how you get a rock to get ambition. But somehow or another, Brother Boyd has put ambition in the heart of this church to establish a great work here. And this team of people, every time that, you know, that, that, every time that uh, Solomon wanted uh, the priest to set a charge to do something, they would do it. When he wanted the, the Levites to do something, they wouldn't do it. I've noticed around here that, that the, the, the enthusiasm and the ambition and the fire and the strength uh, to all the ministries that go out beyond this church here, outside these walls, to the prisons, to the nursing homes, to the uh, 
any kind of establishment, the jailhouses, meeting people, bringing them to this place. It is done with a, with enthusiasm that has grown and it sheds from you to them to there and it reaches out into the world and we say thanks. Every time that there's a, there's a, 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 a People coming here and practice a song. You've brought out of them what they didn't think they could do. You've, you, we, the, somehow or another, the enthusiasm, amen, got inside of them and they sang better than they thought they could sing. They worship. The worship leaders lead worship and we worship better than we, than we realized we ever could worship God. We're doing things that we didn't think we could ever do because of enthusiasm. And the love of God has got a hold of our hearts. There was a story told, and I'm getting ready to close here, but in, there was a story told long ago of Brother Boyd getting ready to speak to a group of people. I believe was at a fellowship meeting. And he can correct me all of uh, If I remember right, he come in front of the group of people, and he had a big lighter. And he hit this big glider. Everybody knows what a big glider is like? This big glider, he, you know, you snap it down the striker with your thumb, and as long as you hold the thumb down, the flame blows. Right? The analogy was that some people, as long as the pastor keeps his thumb, the flame goes. But as soon as he takes his thumb off the lighter, off the striker, the flame goes out. But Brother Boyd has exceeded past uh, uh, all of this. I believe he's went way beyond that kind of thinking there. But so, because I've never felt pressured to do anything with working around Brother Boyd and Sister Boyd in this church, this whole church, because it is conducive by cause of the love of God that that flows. And emanates to every one of us here. Every, every time you see a song, song from now on, just think, they're singing because they saying thank you. I'm getting the best I can get out of me. I love God more because of the ability that God has given me. Every time you hear a young preacher preach and a younger, uh, a ministry is, is doing the best job they can, they're really saying thanks. Thanks for what you've done for me in my life. And in closing, because there's other nice guys that need to be, that need to say some nice things here today. But I thought about Queen of Sheba in my closing remarks. I'm not here to preach about that, but Queen of Sheba, you know, she realized, she said that I heard the stories told about the acts and the things that were done. But I had to come and see for myself. Who'd have thought 35 years ago I'd be walking into this place and seeing it for myself? Sheba said, the queen did, the half has not been stole, the story. But the thing that I would like to leave and say thanks most about today in appreciation, I think I speak for the whole church this morning, is found in verse 7 of the ninth chapter. Happy are thy men, and happy 
are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and bear hear thy wisdom. Thank you, brother and sister Boyd. We love you very much. Thank you very much. Well, Brother Boyd, I've already made a mistake. (laughs) Brother Rayleigh, in his kindness, asked me Wednesday night if I would do this and what order. I said, you know, whatever. (laughs) So I've given myself plenty of time to get nervous. But anyway, anyway, when Brother Rayleigh asked me to say something about Brother Boyd for Appreciation Day, I became very nervous. Unlike Brother Boyd, being behind this desk is not my calling. It's impossible for me to put into words what is in my heart, but I would like to try to express my appreciation for Brother and Sister Boyd and let them know how much I love them both. Brother Boyd and I go way back. For starters, we are first cousins. But when he was about 12 or 13, his mother asked me to start cutting And I said, sure. And his mother would come with him and sit right there with us to make sure that he didn't talk me into cutting it too short, not short enough, to let so he would let me so he would be squirming in his seat really, really bad. And then when he was about sixteen or seventeen, he moved to Winter Haven. He left us. I remember when I was told about his wreck, my heart broke inside. During all of that, he and Sister Boyd came for a visit, and he began telling me about how the Lord was dealing with him to evangelize. And he asked me if I thought he was crazy. And then he decided to go on the field, and the zeal and the sincerity that I felt from him that day was overwhelming. I told him that I had all the confidence in the world in him, and that if God had called him to do it, that he could do it. And I am so thankful that he fought the opposition that came against him and stepped out and obeyed God. I can't imagine how much courage it took to do that. We have been through a lot of good times and a lot of trials together. Our love has grown fonder and fonder. If there was only one thing in this world that I could thank God for, I would thank him for placing Brother Boyd as my shepherd over my life. For me, it is the most serious. It's the most serious thing on earth. There simply are not enough words to say how much I appreciate every prayer, every sermon, and every time he has stood in the gap for me. I truly believe that I would not be here today if it was not for him. One day, we will sit at the feet of Jesus because down here we have worshipped together and made this journey together in love and harmony. I don't tell them enough, but today I'm thankful for the opportunity to stand here and let them know how much I love them both. And I will never be able to thank God enough for what they have meant in my life. A day does not pass that I do not call their names in prayer. They are under a tremendous load, and they need our prayers. It feels so inadequate to just say thank you, but I want to say thank you 
for watching over my soul because without you I can't make heaven my home. In the days that we're living in, trust is something you do not take lightly from someone. I trust Brother Boyd with all my heart and soul. And again, I say thank you for so much for being my pastor and being obedient to God all through the years. Thank you. Well, I'll take just a few minutes. Um, try to be conservative of the time. But uh, I appreciate Brother and Sister Boyd. And tell you, we're all, we all have jobs to do. And I've said and so many times before, and I am not kidding, I could not be a pastor. And I make no issues about that at all. Um, it is just not something that I could do. Um, the old saying that we grew up with is just people is just people. And what I mean by that is just you go to the beginning of Genesis and just read it. You got Adam and Eve. Sorry, Brother Corn. Adam and Eve. Then they had Cain. And what was Eve's answer? I have gotten a man from the Lord. Well, what does he do? He kills his own brother. And so began the human race. And do we think we're any better than them? It might be 2014, but people's just people. And that's who he has to pastor, is us. And it would be cruel of me to stand and say, well, that's his job. That's his. He's got to stand the middle. Him and her has to stand the mental pressure of this. And to never pray for them, to never ask God to help them. Because I'm just telling you, face-to-face, man-to-man, I couldn't do it. I couldn't stand the mental pressure on my own. I just, I just couldn't do it. I could not do it unless God anointed me. And I don't foresee that just like I don't foresee being called to Africa. I don't even like to go out of the county. So I know I don't. Ha- I, I start to say I know that's concreting it in. I have a strong feeling that God's not going to call me to Africa. So I have a strong feeling that God's not going to call me to pastor. It literally takes a special breed. And he knows us. He knows our makeup. He knows I'm that way. That's why he gave me joy. He balances us out. He gives us, in my weakness, he gave me a strength. He does that. God knows how to do that. So, when we pray for him, brother and sister Boyd, I mean, they're just... uh, in so many areas that we are not aware of that they need help in. Just in when you pray for them, you really don't know the areas where God is helping them in. But each day that we do pray for them, and I'm going to just, this, I literally could not go by this service, and this, as the old soapbox says, I guess this is my soapbox, so it won't last long. But anyway, this is just, this It's what I love. And it's this. And I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And this verse 16 of Jeremiah 3.16 is one I could just sit. And just look at for hours. And it shall come to pass when ye be multiplied. And increase in the land 
In those days, saith the Lord, they shall say no more. The ark of the covenant of the Lord, neither shall it come to mind, neither shall they remember it, neither shall they visit it, and neither shall that be done anymore. Now, some people, this bores them to death, but I'm telling you, me, it puts an interest in me like never before because this was literally the closing of one chapter and the opening of another. And for something so important as the Ark of the Covenant, because literally what it, it was like this, you disrespected the Ark, someone else wrote about it. Because you was no longer breathing. I don't care if you was a high priest or you was a dog on the street. You didn't disrespect this ark and live to tell about it. Something so precious to Israel that God even instruct them everything about this. Literally from the making it to the carrying it to the, um, the care of it. Everything had an order that you did not cross. I said... And I believe it was the most precious thing that literally that Israel had. And the reason being is it simply is that it was this. And I'll read this verse to you. It's, thir- it's um, Isaiah thirty-seven sixteen, And there was many verses, but I just pulled this one out. O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, that dwelleth between the cherubim, thou art God, even thou alone, All the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. What the ark did to Israel was represent the presence of the Lord. That's why it was so present, uh, so precious. God said, if you need something, send the high priest. That's why once a year he went in to make an atonement for their sin. And it was so precious. But this is what is so fascinating to me. God said, I will give you pastors which will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Therefore, the ark, as it has been up to this point, the pastor, the way I look at this, I could be wrong, but the way I look at this is the pastor is what I'm going to put in place of the ark. And I know a lot of people, and this could be reference to Jesus Christ, that which is perfect has come. But what I'm saying, he says, I will give you uh, pastors which will feed you with knowledge and understanding, And then he goes to the Ark of the Covenant. So I believe he is saying this, which has literally been so precious unto you. How can you just take it away? How can you just take that away? Something that means so much to Israel to the point that you're not even going to visit it, that you won't even remember it anymore. We know it's just with anything with children. Or with us, if you take something away, you've got to replace that with something. And I believe the replacement was the pastors. He is going to feed you with knowledge and understanding. And therefore, that feeding you with knowledge and understanding is going to be to the point so much that it's going to make you, I hate to use the word forget, but you're going to remember the ark no more. You could do this. This is going to have uh, the purpose now, pastors has used the analogy where young Samuel, he kept going to Eli when he was young. Eli was the high priest. Now, I, I am in full agreement of that because when we look at that, when Samuel, when the Lord spoke to Samuel, 
and he goes to Eli and he and really their analogy is just simple. It was just the only voice that he could regulate as the voice of God was the pastor. So he kept going to the high priest. You've called me. You've called me. So I believe that. I believe that with all of my heart that that this is this is God's design. That's why that's why I said and I believe fully within my heart. I look at it like this. God called, God anointed. You cross him, you're not going to win. Plain and simple. That's me. You don't have to believe it. I believe it. When he's caught, God called, God anointed. If it's a biblical issue, he says turn right, you turn left. <laughs> you going down the road that you I know my place in the church. I'm a saint just like you. That's why I'm saying that's just me. That's just me. Now, I know that's Old Testament. I love that analogy that God gave them. I have something so precious that to I mean the ark represented everything to Israel. And he says, this is what I'm going to give you in place. Now, I'm going to mention one other thing. And in Mark, the second chapter, I'm going to read uh, Mark 2, 1 through 5. And just at the beginning of this, I will just say it like this. Sometimes in doing the work of God, things just get tore up. All right. Mark 2 and verse 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive him. No, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. And there come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four, verse four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they laid down the bed where the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, some have said, I read quite a bit on this. Some have said that this was Simon Peter's house. I don't really know, but I'll just go along with that. Just say this was Simon Peter's house that the Lord was in. Verse 1, it says he was noise abroad, that he was in the house. So basically what we know of the Lord, it had turned into a healing campaign. God was all, he was, uh, Jesus was all God and all man. So basically he withdrew himself. He went to the house. I'm not saying he was hiding, but I'm saying if he went out in public at this point, just all the sick come to him for one point, to be healed. So he went there, he went to the house, and then it says that the people come to him, he was in there, and now it says that uh, verse 2, that they was noised abroad, Jesus, we know where he's at, he's in the house, let's go. So words out, so what, what is he going to do? Now, this is... Is as a pastor, as a pastor, like I said about Genesis, there is a lot of issues that affect us today. It's been said before by pastors, pastors today is affecting 
or is affected by so many issues that has not been affected by previous generations. But the Bible says in verse 2, not so much about the door, and he preached the word unto them. That is your safety net. We are not without compassion. But some people gets this thing turned around. And they want to come and they want to be healed. I don't want to sound cruel here. But Jesus had it right. If he went to the streets, then all they wanted was their healing and they went home. But if Jesus could get the word into them, then not only could they leave their changed, but they could be healed also. But they would leave with the word. Some people comes and all they want is to be healed. But God said, I want to do so much more for you than heal you. But they just said, no, we want to be healed. We want to turn this into a healing campaign. But the Bible says he preached the word unto them. And I say as a pastor with all of us, just in this room right here right now, it would probably amaze us at how many different issues everybody is facing. But you take... He preaches a word. There is no telling how many answers that God can answer by just people, by just Him preaching the word. And not counseling us one-on-one when He just preaches the word. When He comes in here and God uses Him, and it's not that He has to meet with us, that God answers through the preached word of God. Not that He has to take time, or if we be sensitive, that's why I said... Now, the preaching, the most important part of the service is fixing to take place. Don't sit there and be head bobbing. We have to notice what's going on when we have real issues in our life. Listen. We have to listen because it's just, I believe it. here, Here again, this is me, and this is the only way I know how to put it. I believe at judgment you are not going to have a chance to second guess God. But if you did... And you said, but I had this and I had that and I had that. He would say, okay, just pardon me for saying it like this. Steve, come here. What did you do? Did you preach the word unto Kenneth? Yes, I did. Kenneth, you have no defense. My word was preached unto you. And that was enough. He preached the word unto you and you did not obey the word. Therefore, therefore, I believe that is his and her safety net. This is what God did. He preached the word. Now, God really and truly is, that's why I said, the church with us. I don't want to sound like I'm not without compassion, for we are. We truly want to see people healed. But we want God to do so much more than heal them. Yes, we want God to heal them. But we want God to touch them mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, every aspect of the human. Just touch them in every way humanly possible. Not just with a physical healing, but every way possible. That's what we want. Now he takes them in verse 3. It says he was the, the sick of the palsy was born of four. They come to the house. They tear the roof off. Now, in our day, I could see this happening something like this. They take and... He goes down and verse 4 says, or verse 5, he says, Son, thy sins be forgiven. You know, we could see the four guys saying, Lord, we thank you for dealing with the sin problem, but the man can't walk. 
Thank you so much for dealing with that. But this man still can't walk. That's really not what we wanted. We really don't want to pull him back through the roof. We still have an issue. The man's still laying on his cart. We still have an issue. We still have an issue. Now, but really and truly what I'm trying to say, and I'll leave you out of this, I'll use me. Sometimes when I come to church, I just don't want my house messed with. I'm telling you the truth. Sometimes things are just going to get tore up. And when I come in, I may have something that I think needs to be fixed. (laughs) And God's going to say, you know what? You got something a little bit more important that needs to be dealt with first. And God's going to anoint him. And I'm, if I'm off in Wonderland somewhere, I'm going to miss it. That's why I say preach the word. And then God's going to say your sins, if they'd have just jerked him back up through the ceiling and left, they'd have never got to the point where God said, take up your bed and walk. But since they, he, they stayed and the man stayed, not only did they hear God has forgive your sins, But he said, take up your bed and walk. But it's not that we want to get up and go. But we don't leave. The the paralyzed man, he's just laying there. And he hears God said, your sins is be forgiven. I don't know what the man was thinking. You know, he's, wow, that's great. But I still can't get up. I still can't move. But sometimes really and truly, that was physical. I'm speaking spiritually. Sometimes we really just don't want our house to be messed with. And when we come, when we come to church, the word will always know what we need. And when we hear the preached word, God knows what area in our life needs to be worked on. Because the word spoke to a paralyzed man to rise and walk that his disease said, we ain't letting him up. But out of that, God spoke to it. The man got up and left. Literally, the house was tore up, but the man got his healing. So sometimes when I come in here, I have to watch. (laughs) Watch what frame of mind I'm in. Because I want him, as he has done time and time and time again, to preach the word, to follow the Lord. And what I've got to do is watch this old house. Because I want this old house to be fixed and whatever repairs it needs. Because if it needs to be broken up, I just want it to be broken up in the right way. And if I've got an area that I say, God, but I really, I really wanted to walk today. But God says, you know what? You have some sin that you need to deal with first. And the preacher is preaching. Kenneth, you have sin. And I'm saying, but I still can't walk. I still can't walk. Then if I'll let this house be worked on, then I'll not only be able to walk, I'll have my sins forgiven too. And I appreciate that. So, brother and sister Boyd, only God knows 
what you go through. People are people. And really and truly, you can't stay here as long as you have and not know the good, bad, and the ugly. And that's just part of life. That's just part of life. You know, we say we love you. And as, and as I said in my opening comments, you know, you know, time is our witness. And we do love you and we do appreciate you. And we do it more than just one day out of the year, you know. And we just thank you for everything you've done and what you do. Because probably you do not... The, <laughs> Probably one-tenth of one percent is all we see that you do. But 99.9, we don't see, you know. Because I know um, when my brother's son passed away, you know, really and truly, that wasn't really your obligation to be there. But you came. You was there for my brother. You know, you meant she is... His, my brother's wife has spoke to us, you know, and she appreciated, you know, what you did, you know. And as Brother Allen mentioned about the funerals, you know, it's just, that's basically a one-shot deal. And you get one shot to affect people, and that lasts a long time. But we do, from a, a church point of view, I wish... We can do it all through the year. We can't collectively let everybody speak, but through the year, through the the rest of the time, we all try to tell you that we do love you and we do appreciate you. And we just take this time to let you know a little bit that we do love you and do appreciate you. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.